0: Welcome to the Unapologetically Fueled Podcast, where we talk nutrition, identity, performance, and the psychology behind it all. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited about my guest today. I have Holly Samuel, and we are going to talk all things nutrition and running and everything about her background. So I'm super excited to have this conversation. I'm sure you are all going to love this. Um, So if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself a little bit more, Holly.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, yeah, my name's Holly. Um, I'm located in New Hampshire, so, um, it's fall right now in New England. So it's really pretty up here. Um, I am a registered dietitian. Um, I'm a personal trainer too. I'm a runner. Um, I like pretty much all things fitness. So, um, doesn't, my love doesn't just stop at running. Um, and yeah, I've got got a husband I've got my chocolate lab so we're dog parents right now um but yeah that's like kind of a little bit of the general stuff about me
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome I love how you included um a dog owner in there because whenever anybody asks about myself I'm like yes I have a golden retriever like yeah
1: yeah she's like snoring right next to me so sorry if you hear her
0: (laughs) it's okay mine is snoring right now too so (laughs) yeah no thank you that's awesome well thank you um So what inspired you to go into dietetics? And uh, I know that you specialize in eating disorders um, and what kind of started your fitness journey as well. So kind of a lot of loaded questions, but
1: yeah, no, I think those all kind of overlap um, quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, when I went to college, I actually went pre-med and I didn't really know, like, I didn't know what a dietitian was. Like I just I don't know, you shouldn't have to make those types of decisions when you're like 18 years old. Like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? I don't know. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I just didn't have a good understanding, I guess, that there are like more um, players like in healthcare and like what the healthcare team should consist of. So once I got, you know, into my degree, I started to realize that I actually didn't really want to like, you know, learn much about medicine and like, um, you know, kind of treating people that way. But my advisor at the time, shout out to Dr. Lockwood. Um, She was like, I think what you are interested in maybe is like dietetics. And I was like, that's a thing. Um, (laughs) Cool. Yeah, for sure. So um, that's kind of how I ended up pivoting a little bit into that major, which for those of you listening who like are dietitians or have like done those things before, you know that it's still basically a pre-med degree. Like it's not much different. It's just a bit more focused in nutrition and kind of more like wellness, if you will. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. And it was definitely a little bit for like selfish reasons too. Like I wanted to learn more about nutrition and just how like I could be my healthiest self definitely came from like a place to, of like beginning of college. I definitely struggled with like disordered eating and anxiety and just being away from home and mm-hmm. all the lovely things that come with that transition. Um, and I think for a lot of dietetic students, they can probably relate that like, usually you have like an issue with food, um, or you don't like, it's really like those two camps. Um, there's not much in between. So, um, as I kind of like got into the field more and started learning more about it and, you know, kind of started improving like my own relationship with food, it kind of started to grow and like change in how I wanted to use this information to help people. Um, and that's when I started to be interested in like eating disorders and, oh, like other people feel this way too. And this is not normal. And this is the thing. And um, then I got interested in running and sports nutrition and learning more about like performance. Um, and I started to see where like, you know, maybe bad relationship with food, bad body image, a lot of that is like almost in a message to the running community. Um, so it can, it can overlap quite a bit in that, in that community. And I think in a lot of sports communities too. So That's kind of like how I got to this niche of my world (laughs) that I currently exist in.
0: Wow. That is such a great story. I love how you started, how you noted that you started with pre-med because I do feel like a lot of dietitians um, they do come from like a pre-med background or they have a struggle with food for sure. Um, so I think that's really cool how you're using what you also went through, um, in order to help others and you also incorporate your love of science and got through, organic chemistry, which is a major accomplishment.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It was, it really was. I am a different person now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Mm Life-changing. Um, so you mentioned that you got really into running. Um, so what, how long have you been running now? Um, do you still like, what do you typically train for?
1: Yeah, I love this question. I, I got into running like probably halfway through college, like my first sport that I was really competitive in and actually did semi-professionally for a little bit after college was, um, like equestrian was riding horses. Um, so that was kind of like my, my first love I competed nationally. Um, like it was something that I had been doing since I was four years old. Um, and I still love it. I like would love to have a horse and like do the whole thing someday. I, I understand how much work it is and how expensive it is now as an adult. So I'm like, man, like my parents our saints for putting up with that. Um, I met my husband through horses, so like it definitely has gotten me a lot of good things in life, but, um, going to college, you know, obviously a lot of that changed. Um, I was still like participating on the equestrian team at UNH and kind of doing some of that, but I mean, it was just such a lower caliber (laughs) than what I was used to. So I didn't really have, that outlet anymore as much for like my anxiety and like for any college they kind of make you jump through some hoops to be able to like participate on the equestrian team like I had to take classes for a while in that program and then I could ride a little bit in the classes and then I could try out and then I made the team like my sophomore year so Mm -hmm. there was a little bit of a lag Um, so I did start to go to the gym and like go for walks and um, strength train and like do some of those things haphazardly. Some of it was to relieve anxiety. Some of it was definitely to control my body size. Um, and you know, it, it, it was fine, but it never really like did for me what riding did. Um, so my, my freshman year, is like one of those things, like you remember where you were and what you were doing. Um, I was sitting in my anatomy class, ironically, with my advisor, who was the anatomy professor. Um, and she turned on the TV because the Boston Marathon bombings had started to happen and be televised. Um, and I had known that my, my friend, who's actually my high school history teacher, um, was running um, the Boston Marathon the following year. I knew that he had like gotten in and stuff. So I was like, oh, like that was kind of the first time I was exposed to like, what's a marathon? How long is a marathon? They're all the same length. Um, You know, and like, why would someone, you know, do that? And it kind of like just sparked my attention. Um, So I was, I'm still really good friends with, with my high school history teacher. His name's Phil. Um, He's still a great runner. He's run Boston a bunch of times and he kind of got me into running like just by his example and kind of catalyst with like, the Boston marathon bombings kind of inspiring that change. So I started to like go for little runs. Um, just like, I don't even know, like I'd run to the end of like the road and then I'd stop until I got to that tree. And then I would run again until I got over the bridge, like very much, you know, beginner kind of like fartlek style runs, didn't have a watch, none of that. Um, and I, I kind of surprisingly totally fell in love with it very quickly. Um, I always hated running. Like I had gotten out of gym class because I was riding horses. So I didn't have to like run the mile or do any of that in school. Um, and yeah, I totally fell in love with it. My mother-in-law, she, I didn't know she was going to be my mother-in-law at the time, but she was actually my first boss. Um, but she like set me up with, um, a pair of shoes because her and my husband were supposed to do like a half marathon relay. And then last minute she dropped out and she was like, Holly, you're going to do it. You're going to take my place. And I was like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> so she bought me shoes and I had something to train for because I was like, I don't, I've never run eight miles before in my life because that was my leg of the race. Um <laughs> And yeah, I kind of got tricked into loving it. So um, it was great. I got to wear a Wonder Woman costume at that race because it was a superhero themed race. Um, and yeah, I just totally fell in love with it. A coworker then was like, hey, let's sign up for a half marathon. And, you know, running, I started to think, could I do that? Maybe I could do that. I did a relay. Why not run the whole thing? Um, and I ended up running that half marathon. Ironically, my coworker ended up not running that half marathon. Um <laughs> and yeah the rest is kind of history
0: (laughs) oh my gosh that story makes me so happy and also I can relate to that story on so many levels it's like the run to like first I'm going to run to the mailbox whatever and then just keep on going but when Mm -hmm. you were explaining that I'm like that is like the true just like I'm just going to go out and just like impulsively be like hey let's just like run to the end of the block and like that's like such a true like fart lick like it's so
1: simple (laughs) we overcomplicate it a lot and I think like a lot of people would just benefit from starting out that way like ditch the watch ditch the metrics and run to the mailbox
0: (laughs) yes absolutely it would so many more people would be running so Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's so cool so you started, you started with your half marathon and that sounded so much fun or the relay. So have you won, how many marathons have you run then in your life?
1: Yeah, it escalated quickly. My, my first half marathon, I was like, I need to do that again. And then I ran my second one a month later. And then I ran my third one a month later. And then I signed up for a marathon, um, six months later, I gave myself more time for that, but, um, yeah, so I ran my first marathon in, 2016 um right around the time I graduated from college mm-hmm. um aging myself there that's when I graduated but um and I got I got engaged at the finish line my husband proposed at the finish line which was really cute um so I've had a lot of really great marathons since then, but that one, it's hard to beat that one. (laughs) Kind of like, I always joke too. I'm like, you're kind of another catalyst for why I keep running marathons because like you made the amnesia sink in so quickly by giving me like a diamond at the finish line. um, That, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, I'll do that again. That was great. Um, I have since gotten no more, you know, diamonds at the finish line, but um, I have done seven marathons um, since 2016.
0: Wow. That's incredible. That is the best story of engagement. Like that is like the <laughs> ideal, like as a runner getting, getting engaged at the finish line is something that you like see on the news. So <laughs>
1: yeah, he wait, he waited like 10 minutes for me to like cross and get my medal and like, make sure I was okay. And then yeah. he did it.
0: <laughs> oh <my God>. that <laughs> yeah. is so cool. I love it. Um, so, and then you started probably cause you were studying dietetics and everything. You started to notice how, uh, nutrition impacted performance, especially with running. So how did you notice that nutrition impacted your performance and how that, how did that inspire Holly fueled nutrition and your social media platforms?
1: Yeah. It's so funny that I'm here because like, I just, I don't think I would have like dreamt this up for myself, but I'm doing what I love. So that's great. Um, but yeah, I, I. I mean, I was in dietetics, I was doing the nutrition major and doing the things to become a dietitian before I started running. Um, once I got more active and I started to view my, I've always viewed myself as an athlete. Um, that's just something that I've identified with since I've competed at a high level in other sport. Um, so I, I think I just, I was like, oh, running is like making me feel like an athlete again, because uh, I kind of don't have the other sport as much anymore. Um and it was just kind of cool to find the whole running community. Uh there's just like this on like you unveil like all these great people when you start running. Um endorphins are great, but um yeah, so I was like, okay, like I'm pretty obsessed with like this new sport. Um like I'm, you know, obviously getting faster and I'm progressing and that's really um that positive feedback is always really motivating. So that kind of like led me to start learning about the nutrition for it because I started to realize hey, if I want to keep getting better, like I can't keep restricting myself. I really got to kind of pay attention to what I eat before I run. Cause otherwise it's not going to end super well. Um, and I started to realize, especially for like the, once I started full marathon training, um, cause for my first couple of half marathons, I was like, any other rookie runner. I didn't take any fluids. I didn't take any nutrition. Like I was just winging it, um, and having a great time doing it. But you know, as, as I got into marathon training, I was like, Hmm, I don't think I can just wing it. I think I'm going to like probably crash and burn if I do that. So, um, you know, I started kind of learning about gels and sports nutrition, and there was definitely not, As much of like an online educational platform for that at the time. So it did take a lot more like digging into kind of my dietetics world, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, sports dietitians are a thing. Didn't know that that's cool. Oh, this is some of the information that they talk about. This is some of the research. So I started to loosely put that together. Still wasn't perfect for sure. I'm still learning about that for my own fuel plan, but, um, that's Mm -hmm. kind of how, that piqued my interest. And when I became a dietetics major, I kind of always had the intention of wanting to start a private practice one day. Um, that's just kind of how I am. Like, I guess I have like that entrepreneurial spirit. I don't know. I had like a cookie catering business in college. Like I just, I just like, I don't know. I just always kind of had that itch. Um, I didn't know how quickly it would happen and what like the niche would be. So when I started, um, Hollyfield nutrition in March of 2020, uh, which is a funny time to start a business um, because of the pandemic. But um, when I started it, I still kind of was like, I wonder if I could work specifically with athletes. I wonder if I could be that specific. Um, So I was a bit broader at first and kind of stuck to healthy relationship with food, general wellness. Um, I was a personal trainer already too. So definitely wanted to incorporate physical activity and training and injury prevention. And then it just got, as I got more into the sport, which I was definitely very much into the sport by then. But, um, I just started to realize that, yeah, I can actually specialize in this and it's going to be super fun. And a lot of people like want me to specialize in this because they want to work together. So it kind of happened naturally to answer your question. Long story long.
0: <laughs> no, I. That is awesome. That is like that is such a great story, and I really love how you indicated like you started this during March 2020, which is the pandemic, and also I mean coincidentally, like the rates of like underfueling and eating disorders and athletes with disordered eating has significantly increased since like the start of COVID. And so, Mm -hmm. and I like, there's no better time to have as many sports dietitians as we can. And there's definitely a need for that. So I think it just happened at the perfect time. So (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
1: it, um, it was always, I was always planning to do it in March of 2020 because I was going to, um, like leave my job Uh because I couldn't do both at the same time, conflict of interest. And my husband and I were going to move to North Carolina because his company had an office there and we just wanted to try something different, something warmer, um, So then the pandemic happened and we were like, well, I guess we're still doing this anyway. Um, And some things changed once we got to North Carolina, but you know, it it was really, really interesting. Um, And yeah, that's kind of what I think that's what sparked my interest in that specific niche is because as a dietitian. I had worked in um, a lot of different settings. I fun fact, my first job as a dietitian was making like microbial fact sheets for rabbit slaughterhouses in New Hampshire. Um yeah, first job life. Um that was not not I, I learned that I didn't want to do that forever. Um and then I worked in diet. No, like why? Why not? I don't I don't understand. I was like, why? But it's a paycheck, so okay. Um and then I worked in diabetes education, um, which I actually really liked. I just didn't like the setting. It was very general healthcare. Like I saw my patients maybe once a year, and they didn't want to be there. Um, so that was a little tough. But I did like the the diabetes education component of it. Um, and then I worked in bariatric surgery, which again was not my choice. I ended up covering a maternity leave, but then I ended up learning so much. About that. And that was one of the best experiences um, because I just have a different perspective on that now after talking to hundreds of people Mm -hmm. who were going through that process. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I worked in more of like a general wellness, cardiac health, um, and I would say a little bit of sports nutrition um, in a setting that. That was awesome. I worked with like basically people who are all my best friends now. Um, two of them live with me. Um, one of them, I've been her wedding in two weeks. So like it worked out really well. So I was like, if I leave this job, it's because I'm starting my own practice cause I'm not going to find a better job. Um, and yeah, so I think what I gained from all of those experiences is that people don't have a good relationship with food. <laughs> um, even if they don't have a diagnosed eating disorder, um, you know, a lot of people just, they don't have a good relationship with food. They don't have a good relationship with their body image. Um, you know, they think that I'm the food police, even if I'm trying not to be really hard, trying not to be at 22 years old, Um, And I wanted to do something that was going to like feed people and like fuel people and show them that they have so much more potential than they think they do and not restrict people um, because that's a huge misunderstanding, I think, in the nutrition world when you actually like have a license (laughs) in the field.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That is so beautifully said because I just like no matter who it is, I I feel like at some point, like if we're looking at a more like dimensional scale of an eating disorder or disordered eating, every single person has some sort of disordered eating or eating thought. I mean, no matter where you go, if you're with a group of people and you're getting cookies or something, or getting ice cream, people are like, oh gosh, like I'm going to feel this or whatever. And you're like, what do you mean? Like that isn't just another eating thought. And so everybody has that. And there's such a need for this advocacy and like everything that you promote on Instagram is so great because it, counteracts these things. And it's just like, it's promoting that, um, healthy relationship with food because right now, especially with social media and TikTok, it's just like, we need this. Oh. So yeah. TikTok.
1: Oh my God. Stop drinking balsamic vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> like. It's such, it's a fine food, but like, it's just not meant for that.
0: <laughs> no, it really is not. Stop if
1: adulterating it.
0: <laughs> if you want a Coke, just drink a Coke guys. Come on. <laughs> oh, I know. My gosh. But yeah, so. That's awesome. Um, so with everything that you do, I know that a lot of my listeners on this podcast like to talk about nutrition topics, especially with related to fueling and, um, something that I've gotten a lot of questions about that. I'm like, I don't have a degree in and I don't know what I'm talking about is like individualized nutrition and kind of going off of that, like TikTok, what Mm -hmm. I eat in the days, like this Mm -hmm. can be so problematic for so many people. Um, And especially with like looking at some of these things that these people are posting, like it's so restrictive and it's terrible. So I guess what are your thoughts on individualized nutrition? Like, should we be getting inspiration from others who post what I eat in a day is like, should we be eating the same as others? Like how do our metabolisms differ based on who we are?
1: I love that question. I I think that's so important to talk about. And I, as a dietitian, like I have done what I eat in a day. I have done that before. I've been asked to do that, um, mm-hmm. and I've done it without even thinking about it. And I think um, it's it. I even just thinking of how I consumed like social media when I was in college, kind of learning about nutrition from a more fundamental standpoint. Um, I. Instagram, Facebook weren't so much like the big ones, but it was like blogs, um, when I was in college. So I remember I would kind of, it'd start innocently. I'd be like, Oh, I want like a healthy recipe for peanut butter balls, like no bake bites, something like that. So I'd look at the recipe and then I'm on the blog and then I'm scrolling and I'm reading about this person's life and maybe like how they experience food. And it depends on how they're talking about it. Cause I think you're very susceptible to hearing people talk about, Oh, I'm doing this because I want to look this way or I'm doing this to lose weight or, you know, I'm doing this because it's healthy and that can also be problematic sometimes. So, um, there was actually a blog that I I followed a lot of blogs. I followed a lot of running blogs too at first. Cause that's like how you learned like about the running community. Um, and there was one blog that I followed. I can't remember what the blog's name was, but um her name's Robin Cole and she is a dietitian and she's not really on social media much anymore, but she was the first person I was exposed to who talked about eating disorders and who talked about um having a good relationship with food and kind of what that meant. And like I was like, oh my god, like this is speaking to me so much. Like she doesn't even know how much she helped me just from her blog. So I always kind of felt like I I want to have that, you know, influence on people Um, because I think it's so, it was so new at the time and kind of groundbreaking. Um, And I think a lot more people are talking about like intuitive eating now and having a good relationship with food. I think sometimes it's kind of adulterated and misconstrued and it's kind of harmful, but a lot of the times it is good information as well. So yeah, I mean, I think like what I eat in a day is, you know, our individual metabolisms, Um, if someone's like giving specific advice on social media, especially if it's because of like the personal experience that they have, which is like classically what I eat in a day is basically are, you're saying, this is what I do. And I'm putting it on the internet and I'm not necessarily telling you what to do in the video, but that's how it comes off. Um, I think it can be problematic. I think if dietitians are doing it, it can be problematic because people are looking to us to to embody, you know, healthy relationship with food and healthy eating habits. Um, so people could say, well, that's what she's doing. That's what I should be doing. Um, and you know, that can be problematic, especially because that person could have totally different needs than myself, or they could have totally different needs from the next person. So I think it's okay to get inspiration from like, Oh, this person is sharing cool recipes. I'm going to try something different Um, or, oh, wow, this person's actually eating a lot more food than I eat. And maybe I should think about like if I'm meeting my needs or not. Um, But I think it's a little dangerous to say I need to mimic exactly what they're doing and for certain people to put that out there as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think like, as far as like recipes go, like that can be a good source. But again, like if you're trying to exactly copy them, then it's not, then it's not healthy for sure. So what types of things like as athletes or just people in general, like influence our metabolism and um, how much that we truly need, like does running influence our metabolism? Like how accurate are like smart watches and saying, oh, you're burning this amount of energy per day? Like, what do you have to say kind of about that stuff?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the smartwatches like they can be so useful and so problematic at the same time. It's yep. like just because we can measure something doesn't mean we should always measure something or have access to that information all the time. Um, and that's why I don't have one. I wear a running watch, but I, I've never had a smartwatch because I was like, I know myself. That's just not. It's not going to be good for me. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be part of my journey today. Um, but yeah, I think um, you know some of that information around metabolism it's it tries to be individualized because you're like wearing the watch with the heart rate monitor on your wrist and it's you know doing some equation to calculate how much energy you could potentially be burning but there is a lot of error um, in any of those devices um and a lot of the times what i think people don't understand too is like your energy needs are going to vary a little bit each day the watch isn't necessarily going to capture that um And also like, it's helpful to know why they might vary a little bit each day. Cause if you're like, wow, I burned so many more calories this week per day because my watch told me that and I, I exercise the same. So I don't know, maybe it's something different I'm doing. Well, no, it could be because you're ovulating and your body temperature is higher. (laughs) Um, you know, so I think sometimes the. The data is is taken out of context. Um, and then, you know, people who just don't do this for a living, who don't have an understanding of metabolism, can take it and then cause it to be harmful, um, where they're kind of dictating what they're doing around the data when I think it should be the other way around. I think we should be doing what is healthy and what is meant to support us and founded in research. Um, And then we can take the data and see what the outcome is and see what the patterns are over time. And then maybe make an assessment with a professional, preferably.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because those, those watches, although exactly, they can provide some information. They're really not your dietitian or your doctor. And like, there's everybody has such unique needs. So it's very, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And the body
1: doesn't just like reset at midnight to zero. Like we don't just reset to zero calories at midnight, which I think is another like misnomer.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. That is so good. Absolutely. So because of that, then would you say that feeling should, how should feeling change on like rest days or downtime from your sport?
1: Yeah, that's like that's exactly what I had in mind, like for yeah. that statement is like um, and I, I'm someone where in like my previous jobs, I had used like body composition machines like in body and BIA machines so that we are really measuring like your basal metabolic rate based off of your body composition um, mm-hmm. at a very specific individualized levels. I've been in the bod pod. I've done like underwater body or metabolism measurements. I've done the thing where you like breathe into the tube at the hospital. Like I've, I've done it. (laughs) Um, and they all vary, they all vary a little bit too. So it's like, you know, you still are, um, like bodies and health are, are such a moving target. It's not just a destination you achieve one day. So Mm -hmm. it's constantly changing. So like our rest days versus like our hardest workout days of the week, obviously you know, how I think about nutrition is that, okay, we want to kind of be helping our bodies recover from what we did. And we also want to be prepping them for what we're about to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where I think a lot of the times, maybe sports nutrition isn't super intuitive, um, because your body doesn't know it's going to run 20 miles tomorrow but you know that. (laughs) So, you know, you can set it up for success by maybe carb loading or eating more carb rich foods or eating in a certain way to support that future performance. And it might not feel great in the, in the moment because your body doesn't know that it's about to run 20 miles tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you were to eat how you felt that day, you might feel better, but then on your 20 miler tomorrow, you might feel like, you know, crap. So, um, (laughs) yeah, that's kind of one thing too, where, If we're constantly trying to recover from the day before and then prepare for the future, um, that's where like the energy needs are. It's really going to depend on the person and their goals. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's similar to, if you have a rest day, the day after your hardest day of the week, yeah, your energy needs on paper might look lower on that rest day because you're not quote unquote doing as much, Mm -hmm. um, but you're still recovering from the 20 mile or whatever it was the day before. So you're probably gonna have higher energy needs because you're still recovering, but that's not something that your watch or a calculator is necessarily going to be able to figure out for you. Um, and that's why I think having data, having measurements, having science to help you understand what might be happening is helpful. And then we also need to be able to tune into how we're feeling you're really hungry on a rest day, you need to eat, even if, you know, the easy day training plate says otherwise. <laughs> um, so that's something I try to instill in my clients as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, that's so good. Thank you. So if people aren't meeting their energy needs or they're under fueling, um, what do you think some common signs and symptoms of, are of that? And what should people do if they feel like they're under fueling?
1: Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> under fueling, like it affects like every system in the body. Um, yeah. because like our food intake really dictates like how well our body's running as a machine, um, yeah. with a lot of moving parts. So, you know, if, if you're underfeeling you might start to first experience like maybe some low energy um maybe you're not sleeping as well but you're still tired so that's frustrating um maybe you you know start to have like um a lot of sugar cravings even that can happen or the opposite can happen where you just don't really have an appetite um you know you can start to be cold all the time um, and not just have like great and or, or like temperature tolerance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, you're bonking in workouts, you're not performing as well, um, maybe you're getting injured or you're just having things that like, like aren't healing and you're not recovering as well from your workouts. Yeah. Um, I also see, like, you know, from if it becomes more chronic, like menstrual cycle changes where. Maybe your periods become a bit more like dramatic. um, Your symptoms are a little bit more dramatic, or maybe you they go missing altogether, um, or they get a little bit longer of cycles um, between your your previous and current period. Um, I see like lower sex drive and all across the gender spectrum. Um, so, there are like, yeah, and the one that everyone always pays attention to is like, oh, brittle hair, skin, and nails, because they're like, my hair's falling out. I need hair yeah. gummies. I'm like, no, you need like food. Um,
0: <laughs> So,
1: those are kind of some of the symptoms. And a lot of the times, like fatigue, higher stress, like not recovering well, like those can be overlooked because you're like, oh, I'm just stressed from work, or oh, I'm just training really hard, or oh, I just had a rough day. But if it starts to become a pattern that you notice, um, especially if you get to like your hardest weeks of training and you're like, wait a second, like I, I feel terrible. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Like I, I often hear people say like, Oh, like I'm, I'm really struggling on all my speed workouts or my easy runs always feel hard. And yeah, every once in a while that's going to happen, but it really shouldn't be that way. Like you should be crushing it for the most part. Um, yeah. So those are kind of some of the, the red flags to look out for.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, those are, those are some good symptoms. And I love how you incorporated like different systems from the whole body, because that is so true. It affects all the systems in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that when people are under feeling, they should really be reaching out for help. Um, can people work with you as a dietitian? Do you accept clients? If so, how can they connect with you?
1: Yeah. Um, I have a couple of different programs, um, going at all times. So I've got like a lot of different levels of support, um, to kind mm-hmm. of help the person based off of you know what they feel like they would learn best from and budget and all of that um but yeah they can work with me um i can be their dietitian um and personal trainer and coach too i've got group programs um which is super fun because then you realize you're not alone and people have the same struggle yeah. as you and you get that community um or they ask questions that you would have never thought of um that's been super fun i love my group programs um and then i also have a self-paced a couple of self-paced courses to kind of learn about different topics that do kind of help you calculate some of your needs and do help you understand, um, you know, what it takes to meet your needs and also how to get away from calculations and data too, so that you don't feel like nutrition is like rocket science all the time. Um, and how to make it a little bit more intuitive so that you don't have to think about it so hard in the future. Um, so those are kind of like the couple of different ways you can work with me. And obviously I have a lot of free resources as well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that is so awesome. Um, so yeah, if any of you guys are n- thinking that you might be experiencing underfueling or experiencing any of these symptoms, definitely reach out for help. And then also, um, one, check out, uh, Holly's Instagram page because it's literally so helpful. She always posts the most amazing, helpful things. And I love it. Like I save so many your posts. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. Thank <laughs> um, you. <laughs> yeah, of course. So that's awesome. Well, um, as we kind of like wrap up here and just talk about everything that you shared today, I just want to thank you so much. And I have a couple of fun closing questions. So, what is your favorite breakfast food and what's the favorite race that you've ever ran?
1: Oh my gosh, great questions. Uh, favorite <laughs> breakfast food. I'm from the New Jersey, like New York area, so bagels. Um, but like specifically from those areas. Um, yeah. favorite race I've run. Um, I I gotta say, Boston Marathon was really great. Like, it kind of was what it was cracked up to be, in my opinion. I ran it this year for the first time and the weather was good. So that helped. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. The weather makes all the difference. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. um, well, thank you so much, Holly, for being on today. And again, I will link her Instagram and everything below in, um, the show notes, but we just, I appreciate you so much and all the advice that you shared, um, and make sure to go follow her if you haven't already. So, and listen to her podcast too. She has a great podcast.
1: (laughs) Thanks for the shout out. Yeah. Holly field nutrition on all those platforms.
0: Yes. Awesome. Thank you.